So in our scripture for this morning, we hear once again a command that we have heard before from John, uh, that we've heard from Jesus himself, and that we've heard from God as far back as in the days of Moses. In Leviticus, that Hebrew First Testament reading, uh, we hear, love our neighbor as ourself, I am the Lord. Uh, Jesus adds a little twist because by the time uh, he was around, people had added a little something to that generally. Um, You're familiar with the written law, love your friend or love your neighbor, and its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. (laughs) People had added that on by the time it got to uh, the time of Christ. But... I'm challenging that, he says. I'm telling you to love your enemies. So not just love your neighbor, love your enemies. And then John stated it for us uh, right off the bat there in verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Based on popular songs over the last several decades, we know that the world would be a much better place if uh, this came true, that we shared love the way that we are loved. From our modern day bards, we learn that all we need is love. What the world needs now is love and that love will keep us together. I think we'd be pretty hard pressed to find anyone who doesn't agree that about the need for more love in the world. The problem reveals itself when we try to define what love means. In a book that we read uh, for QAPC Reads several months ago, entitled All About Love, New Visions, the author, Bell Hooks, addresses the problem at the very beginning, the problem of the definition at the very beginning of her book, She believes that a significant reason that so many people in our society struggle so much with finding or keeping loving relationships is because we rarely know, even for ourselves, what we mean by love, let alone what others mean when they talk about love. For her book, Hooks Resurrects a specific definition that she read from another author years prior. The author was a person named M. Scott Peck, and he and Hooks define love as the will to extend one's self for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. The will to extend one's self for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. When we think about the command we hear from John in this morning's scripture to love one another, that definition of love by Peck that Bell Hooks uses would be a great help for us to use as well. In fact, at heart, it shares a great deal of the essence of what John has in mind. 
But John gives us his own definition of love to help us on our way. And though John relies more on an image to define love than words, his definition of love is very specific. For John and all the New Testament writers, Jesus the Christ defines love for us. In Jesus, God loves us with the love with which we are to love others. For John, the the image that defines love is Jesus himself, both in the fullness of his life, death, and resurrection, and the purpose of Jesus being with us at all. John puts it slightly different in those two verses I was talking about with uh, the kids. Verse 9, this is how God showed their love among us. They sent their one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. That Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent their one and only son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. From these verses, John teaches us that Jesus as the Son of God embodies love. In verse 8, John makes this audacious claim that God is love. Anything and everything that we understand and experience as love originates from God because God is love. But he also says in verse 12, at the beginning of that, no one has seen God. And so God sent Jesus to give us someone we could see, someone who revealed God's love to the world. And the crucial aspect of what Jesus revealed was sacrifice. Again, verse 10. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent their son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, a lot of Christian churches and Christian teachers focus only on the execution of Jesus on the cross as the sacrifice. The crucifixion is the sacrifice in their thought process. And yet the sacrifice Jesus gave was his whole life. Jesus came to live on this earth, not for himself, but for us. Again, that we might live through him, as John says in verse 9. One particular commentary that I read, I think, gets it right. The love of God is manifested in the incarnation as much as in the crucifixion. The infinite sacrifice of the Son's life and death. It's the fullness. Everything about Jesus helps define love for us. His birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his teaching. The reason that Christ even visited the earth in the first place helps define our understanding of love. Again, we hear this in both verses 9 and 10 about how 
Christ came, was sent into this world, not for, even in a, in a sense, not even for God's sake, but for our sake, that we might experience true life and that our sins might be forgiven. That our broken, alienated relationship with God might be reconciled and made whole. However we understand the act of Jesus being an atoning sacrifice for our sins, William Barclay reminds us of the ultimate purpose. Jesus is the restorer of the lost relationship with God. That was what it was all for. That was the purpose. Jesus is the restorer of the lost relationship with God. Oops. For John, then, for John, everything about Jesus defines the content of love, the content, what love looks like and the purpose. And just as important as the content of the love is the focus of Christ's love. And that focus is us. Not us as we sometimes like to fool ourselves into believing we are, but as we truly are in full. Verse 10 is especially important in this regard. This is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent their son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Even while we were still alienated from God, doing harm to ourselves and to others, God reached out to us to forgive us, to make us whole, to restore relationship and communion with God and one another. John Stott puts it this way. The greatness of God's love, manifest in the nature of his gift and its purpose, is seen also in its beneficiaries. For God gave his son to die for undeserving sinners. Robert Candlish, who Scottish pastor a century before Stott, elaborates in a way that really struck me deeply. He writes, Can it be said now, present day, God sees everything that God made, and behold, it is very good. To bless and love a world and a race seen by him in that light might, all, might be almost said to be self-gratification rather than self-sacrifice. But it comes to be self-sacrifice when its objects are seen to be corrupt and vile, guilty and deserving only of wrath, polluted and unclean, with nothing to attract but everything to repel, alike unloving and unlovely. To continue to love creatures thus seen, not only so, but to love them with a love that does not spare his own son. That is a manner of love implying something else and something more than bountifulness. And that is God's manner of love to those whom he now sees, to the world lying in wickedness. God sees us 
for who we truly are in full. All of the ugliness included. But God also sees the beauty in us. Something worth saving. Someone to love. That's what we hear so much in that gospel passage about our true selves. I'm challenging this love your friend, hate your enemy. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, pray with the energies of of prayer. Then you are working out of your true selves, your God-created selves, because that is what God God does. In a word, what I'm saying is grow up. You are kingdom subjects. Live like it. Live out of your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously. So God sees the fullness of who we are, both the ugliness but also the beauty, the God-created beauty in us. And that's why we hear in verse 11, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. To love others in the way that God's love, God loves us is then to embody love in actions that nurture the beauty in others, regardless of whether or not they have earned it. I recently read a story from a man who I believe uh, has long loved others as God loves us, and that embodied acts uh, to nurture others. It's a story um, that actually is told by the man who I've seen embody this love so much, a man named Rick Reynolds. Uh, Some of you may know Rick or of him. For somewhere around, I think, 40 years or so, uh, Rick he ran a ministry, he recently retired, but he ran a ministry called Operation Night Watch. It provided all sorts of service uh, and accompaniment to folks living on the streets here in Seattle. In this story, though, Rick tells about an experience that taught him about loving others as God loves us. Um, he's also a graduate from Seattle Pacific, and so this was in Seattle Pacific's magazine. Um, Reynolds still sees himself as a work in progress. There's an early story that has shaped how Reynolds views his work in ministry. Nightwatch had a particularly disruptive client who filled the dispatch office with his volume and odor. Shelters didn't want to take him in because of his defiant and inappropriate behavior. One night, the man was jubilant when he got a place for an overnight bed. Reynolds laughs and said it was probably a new worker who didn't know his name. And so they didn't realize he's not supposed to get a bed. The man asked loudly if he was beautiful in front of a dispatch center full of clients and volunteers. Yeah, you're beautiful, Reynolds said, hearing snickers in the room. Then hug me, the man challenged. Oh, I do not want to do that, Reynolds thought. 
but he extended his arm for a safe buddy hug. Instead, the client wrapped Reynolds in a full-on embrace that reeked of body odor, cheap alcohol, and cigarettes. He stooped to press his bristly whiskers into Reynolds' face and then turned and kissed his cheek. Reynolds immediately thought, that was God's moment. I really helped him. It wasn't until later that Reynolds realized he was the foul one in that situation. He realized that's not how God loves what I did. That exuberant, unbridled, enthusiastic love that the man was showing me was what I needed to be doing. That's the call of Jesus on my life. If I only remember that one story, years from now, that will be enough. There's a Rickism scrawled in a blue marker across the whiteboard at night watch at the night watch office that reads Jesus didn't say that when you wash the feet of the poor you wouldn't get fungus I love that story because that is what it looks like the man's love shared with Rick that is what it looks like to love others the way that God loves us And when we do this, something extraordinary takes place. In one sense, Rick was right when he said that that man's embrace and kiss was God's moment. Reynolds just had the giver and the receiver of the love backwards initially. But when we love as God loves us, John says this amazing thing in verse 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and God's love is made complete in us. Some even translate it, God's love is made perfect in us. John is saying that in those moments of love, we are in the presence of God and experience a taste of the fullness of God's love. Again, Robert Kenlish. God's love has reached us, and it should, through us, reach the whole world. No higher instance of love is possible than his sending his son. No stronger sort of love can be imagined. And if that very love passes from him to us, Ah, then what responsibility is ours? What an office or duty is laid upon us to perfect, to complete the manifestation of God's love for the saving of the world. We are, as it were, in his stead. No, he is himself in us. It is his own very love that has now its full expression in us. When we embody God's love in acts that nurture others, God's love is fulfilled in us, completed in us, made perfect in us. The lyricist Hal David had it correct in 1965 when he wrote, What the World Needs Now is Love. The only issue is how 
to define love. John reminds us that in Christ Jesus, God loves us with the love with which we are to love others. Thanks be to God. Let's join together.